Welcome to The Greenhouse, ASU's first environmental show, live on Blaze Radio and blazeradioonline.com. I'm Pratham Bawal. And I'm Anna Snow. We break down everything you need to know about planet Earth. On today's show, we're going to break down the benefits of being vegetarian and how that could affect the environment. And we'll discuss the idea on a holistic level um, and what you can do to make these changes, plus local resources here in the valley. Plus, as spring break is upon us, um, people are ready to kick off travel season around the world. Find out how to travel sustainably while still supporting Native communities financially and how to relax for yourself. The Greenhouse begins right now, and we wanted to start off by talking about the idea of being vegetarian. Um, it's something both Anna and I are. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, it, what is a vegetarian? It's someone who does not eat meat. Um, instead, they still eat. Their diet is supplemented by vegetables, fruits, grains, nuts and sometimes eggs or dairy products. Um, Another term gaining traction is vegan. And what this is, is when an individual consumes no meat, which is just like a vegetarian, but they also do not eat animal products. So these can be things from cheese, eggs, milk. Uh, So vegetarians are a subsection of the American population. According to a Gallup News poll, 5% of Americans are vegetarian, 4% of men are vegetarian, and 6% of women are vegetarian. People ages 18 to 34 are 8% more likely compared to people who are 55 plus who are only 2% chance of being a vegetarian. In terms of ideology, 11% um, liberal are more liberal or whatever. Um, and geography-wise, 8% likely in the eastern part of the nation and 6% in the western part and 4% in the middle, which that was a lot of numbers, and I hope I said them all correctly and made it make sense. And it's interesting that they have so <laughs> much data on this. And yes. I think the one I found particularly interesting was the age one. Like, a lot of younger people, I'll repeat it again, mm-hmm. 18 to 34-year-olds are 8% as likely, whereas people 55 and older are less than 2% of the people surveyed. I think, for me, what I found interesting was the 4% of men and 6% of women. And that's just like 4% of men in the whole country and 6% of women in the whole country are vegetarians. Um, And so I was talking about this earlier. I read this article years ago. I don't think I could find it now. Um, But this fact really stuck with me. And I don't know if this was just an idea that the author was proposing or if they had like data to back it up. But basically, it was saying that women and people of color are more likely to be vegetarian because, and this was talking from an animal rights perspective, and so it was basically people who are part of oppressed groups are more likely to sympathize with animals also being oppressed um, as opposed to, like, a white man who's kind of been at the top of, at least in the United States, has been at the top his whole life. It's, it's an interesting analysis based mm-hmm. on, like, social class and, like, the way that it governs everything we're doing. So it's yes. a really interesting topic, and yes. I can definitely see where that's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, all of this data was gathered in 2019, these like various breakdowns. Um, a similar survey was conducted in 1999 to show change over time. And at that point, 6% were likely to be vegetarian. So it's a little bit of a decrease, but it's not too significant. Mm-hmm. Um, a 2018 Gallup News poll showed that 3% of Americans were also likely to be vegan, so this is the one where you're not eating animal products or meat. Mm-hmm. Um, veganism was actually a term created in 1944, um, and it, but it's only picked up tra- traction recently among younger people. Uh, so let's dive into the reasons behind this movement. An 18, or 2018 survey found that 81.4% of vegan eaters were women and 56% of all 
of those who practice a vegan diet are between the ages of 18 and 34. According to the same survey, these individuals have different reasons for being vegan, though. A lot of them cited reasons for their own health, for the environment, for animals, and some even religious beliefs. Exactly. And I think looking at th these are all um, real beliefs that do have some tangible, measurable belief. Yes. Um, the most common reason out of these four is um, animals. A primary group of respondents reported that nearly 68% um, did it for the animals. Uh, this is a straightforward thought process. Less meat consumed equals fewer animals killed. Um, and we s we'll dig into how mm -hmm. that helps the environment later on. Uh, but just, you know, looking internally for a second, it's easy to forget how big of an impact humans make when it comes to meat consumption. Um, on average, Americans eat 274 pounds of meat per year, uh, and we're the second largest nation to do so in terms of how high the number is per capita. So another big reason to be vegetarian, and one of the biggest ones for me personally, is environmental benefits. So 9.7% of people in, 2018, in that same 2018 survey um, changed because of their beliefs. Uh, raising livestock that gets butchered can be problematic, obviously, um, they're not, but their natural life cycle emits lots of greenhouse gases such as methane. Chicken, pork, and beef are the top three, um, like top three emitters of gas of methane. Yeah, Sorry, and... my words were just not coming out <laughs> in that little paragraph. Um, so obviously, we talked about clean air and how important that was um, on a previous episode. So. Clearly, factory farming is not helping with that. And the problem is that methane coming out so much at one time, because oftentimes you brought up the word factory farms. I believe yes. that's when a huge gap, a huge farm is there mm -hmm. with the explicit purpose of trying to butcher these animals for meat consumption. So, yeah. So we talked about how the reason that most people are vegan or vegetarian is for animals and they feel bad for these animals. Um, and so one way that some people like to kind of respond to their feelings about their own feelings about being guilty about how animals are treated is, you know, that you see the organic and the grass fed and the, you know, free range and all that stuff when because that is not, in fact, where most meat and animal products come from. You have this image in your head of a big field with all these cows. No, it's not true. They're Factory very farms, clustered. they're basically warehouses. Um, and they're packed in there super tightly. It is not clean. It is not healthy. Um, that's the way that a lot of meat and products, when there are disease outbreaks and things like that, that is, you know, E. coli and stuff like that, that is how it gets in there is because these factory farms are really, really just terrible in general for the environment, for the animals, for the people working there, not very humane conditions a lot of the times, you know. And so, I mean, yeah. Yeah, and I, I remember studying factory farms in the past and mm -hmm. like I, you brought up a big word which was disease yes like it spreads so quickly because these animals are so tightly put together and oftentimes these animals are rotated in so quickly because the quicker mm -hmm. the process the quicker profit for these oh companies. yeah these animals have been bred over years and years and years to produce so like a, a chicken that is in like a factory farm for chickens i don't know um, they've been bred and they've given hormones to grow at such a fast rate that they're like still ch chicks, basically. Like if they were a normal chicken at that point in their life, they would still be chicks. Um, but they've been bred to grow so fast so that they can turn over so many chickens. Like it's insane. Um, I went through a very big phase in like um, 
early high school where I was watching all these like documentaries on factory farms and watching like videos and I did so much research and stuff and honestly it was just for like my own interest and now it's been like probably four or five years I have so many of these like facts just floating in my head I'm sure a lot more of them will end up coming out um as we're talking but no it's perfect and I think going back a little bit to hormones like mm-hmm. i think that's why that's what makes like labels about no hormones yes. so special and why people gravitate to it but also why it's a little bit more expensive yes and it's also the reason that factory farms exist in the way that they do is because of the population of the world right now and we talked about it americans eat about 274 pounds of meat per year on average a grass-fed big field with a bunch of cows cannot sustainably feed the amount of people we have with the amount of meat that they are eating. So that's where factory farms became a thing is just purely based on numbers. We needed more meat and stuff in to feed the people. So, you know, realistically, you can't have it both ways. You can't keep, even if you want the best for these animals and you want them to be treated humanely, you can't keep eating them at the same rate, basically. And it's just not sustainable. They've been made to feed supplies. And like we talked about the disastrous impact they have Another impact is you thought you talk about what's going in the air. You mm-hmm. got to remember the waste that comes the from land, the animals. Yeah. The land as well. Like oh, so much yeah. land oh. needs to be cleared. Yeah. We're talking about the water the animal waste can get into is, I think you have some stuff yeah. on I that. Mean, but it, it like causes runoff, bacteria, and it just makes, it pollutes natural water supplies. And these are things that cannot regenerate. And I mean, land, a big reason for deforestation is land to make more farms and stuff. Um, so cutting your meat intake can help environment because it means less farmland being used. Um, of course, dairy is one of the biggest, biggest ones, and that's not, e- that's not even meat. Um, so a study shows that each cow uses between 1.5 to 2 acres per cow. And like that's when they are actually given the land they're supposed to have. Yeah, and it's not done for profit. Yes, um, and, that, and that can really, really increase your carbon footprint. Um, so according to the University of Ox- a University of Oxford study, a reduction of dairy products can cut your carbon footprint by as much as 73%. I know. And just talk about a little bit about efficiency. Um, there's a, there was a statement from the University of Oxford study that just shows how not efficient meat and dairy production is. And mm-hmm. I just wanted to read it to you word for word. Um, according to the study, meat and dairy products and like farming cost 60% of greenhouse gas emissions. However, the products only contain 18% of the world's calories and 37% of the world's protein. And that's a really I, low number. Yes, and so I hate to be this preachy person that sits up here and says, everyone should be vegetarian, everyone should be vegan. I'm not even vegan. Um, Neither am I. But the single biggest thing you can do for the environment is cut out animal products. That is the eat, like that is the thing that as an individual you can do that will have the biggest impact. And I know that that's not realistic for people, everyone. Um, but I also would like to add that like dairy, if we're talking about animal rights, dairy is pretty much the worst one for how it treats animals because uh, a female cow will only produce milk if it has a baby. So the cycle of impregnating cows taking the babies away from them at birth and then forcing the milk out of them is like one of the worst, worst processes that the animals have to go through. And then they don't even like, as awful as this sounds, they don't even get to die at the end. Like they are just, this cycle keeps going. As soon as they're out of milk, they're impregnated again, you know? Yeah, it's, 
it really shows you the cycle and like how much human need has created this need to keep it going and, and we're gonna get into like advancements mm-hmm. for uh, vegetarian options in just a little bit but there's still more reasons why yeah. people are vegetarian um so another big reason is your own health uh vegetarians and vegan diets um, are easy to lose weight if that's something you're interested in, although it is important to note that losing weight does not always equate health, um, but it, it can. It can. Um, and a lower level of cholesterol, because usually if you're, you're taking in a lot less um, fats that come from the meats. A study of 70,000 people found that the rate of cancer could be lower in vegetarians than it is in non-vegetarians, less of a chance of diabetes, less of a chance of heart disease, and even a lot smaller things, like if you have a lot of acne, dairy is one of the worst things you can eat for acne and for inflammation like even much there's much smaller scale health benefits than just cancer and diabetes and stuff like that yeah and a a a big reason people may not be vegetarian is because it does have its cons it's not perfect Mm -hmm. um there are vitamin deficiencies sometimes for things that can be only found in meat Mm -hmm. they're trying to advance new supplements but not every um, mm-hmm. one is natural yet. So here's just some of the vitamins that you may not be receiving as a vegetarian. Vitamin 12, omega-3 fatty acids, iron, calcium, zinc. There's a whole mm-hmm. list. And although, like, I'll, I will, of course, admit science is science. Like, those um, vitamins are found in higher quantities in animals and in meat. That's true. I mean, the animals are getting it from somewhere, you know, like you can get those same things from plants. You just might have to eat more of them. Like iron is a big one. People are like iron and red meat, iron and iron deficiency, this, whatever. Iron is also found in very high numbers in leafy greens. So kale and spinach and stuff like that. So if you just do a little bit of research, there are great ways, you know, nuts are a great way to get in more fats and eating, you know, beans are a great way and lentils is for protein, you know, like there are other options too. Um, so like I was mentioning other natural resources, um, of course there are always alternative to milks, um, you know, like there's soy milk was the first one that got really popular, but I feel like nowadays almond milk and oat milk are a lot more popular. You hear it so much. Yeah. Um, so fatty acids, like I mentioned nuts, walnuts and flax seeds specifically are great examples. Um, so there's, there are yeah. a lot of options and, you know, personally I'm as a vegetarian, I think my go-tos when it comes to protein and these nutrients our beans, a tofu has become really tofu, good for me. I loved We were talking about this earlier. I love tofu as long as it's cooked well, which it's not that hard. The only issue I've ever had is undercooked tofu um, when it's mushy. Just cook it a little longer, and it, then it, it, it gets it'll get firm. And the great thing about tofu is it'll taste pretty much like whatever you want it to. I personally usually have it with, like, a lot of times with soy sauce, with noodles and stuff. But whatever sauce, whatever spices you want to put, that is what the tofu will taste like. It's so versatile. There's a really nice way to manipulate it. Yes, I think that's a good yes. One. Um, in recent years, there have also been various plant improvements in plant-based alternatives. Yes. We've been seeing this a lot. Um, in 2019, there was an explosion um, among these alternatives. Impossible is the name of a company with a meatless alternative. And another similar company is called beyond me with plant-based products um they've had they've done really well for themselves they have product placement in burger king chudoba mcdonald's carl's jr and even the taylor place dining hall taylor place dining hall has a, a they beyond have beyond meat burgers burger. yep. yeah yeah um, it. it's all right i mean i get my protein i think that the taylor place dining hall doesn't cook it the best i've had a beyond burger brand taste much better than it tasted last year in the dining hall um, I also will say I just tried the Beyond Chicken at KFC. I, I liked it a lot. I would approve. Um, also, my favorite brand of just like easy meatless alternatives is Morningstar. 
Um, they're easy to microwave. I will be the first to admit I can't really cook. So having something quick and easy to just grab and throw in the microwave is very nice. Um, so in 2020, so two years ago, 3% of meat packages were actually plant-based meats. Um, and there was a lot of popularity in 2020 because obviously COVID and so people were worried about diseases coming from animals. Um, and just, I think people were a lot as COVID, whether it was COVID or not, I think people were a lot more health conscious and worried about things. Um, so I think that could be, you know, one reason why, you know, people were turning to plant-based alternatives. Exactly. And, um, there are a lot of improvements in what people make at home and available at fast food for vegetarians. Mm -hmm. um, even, but even vegan options are growing, uh, too. Definitely. In the United States, there are at least uh, 1,500 dedicated vegan-only restaurants. Um, in fact, for us vegetarians, there's a website called Happy Cow, which is just like Yelp, and it gives vegetarian and vegan options. And they have nearly 2,400 restaurants to choose from. Sorry, 24,000 restaurants to choose from mm -hmm. around uh, the United States. Yeah, so, I mean, like, there's a restaurant called Vegan House that's downtown. That's pretty good. I would say stick more to their Asian dishes. The noodle and rice-based ones are better than their... They have such a huge menu, and it's, like, crazy. So I feel like it's obviously they can't be great at everything. The sandwiches, I feel like we're not the best. But good pad thai. Um, I also think that in general, like I was mentioning this earlier, I think a lot of Asian restaurants are easier because you can get... A lot of them already have tofu, but if not, you can order it with tofu or just without... A lot of like noodle and rice dishes are really easy to make vegetarian. Um, Thai basil downtown also is really good. Harumi Sushi has a sweet potato vegan sushi roll. That is my absolute favorite meal in the whole world. I'm obsessed with it. And it's like, I never even knew I liked sushi before because I'm vegetarian. But yeah. my sweet potato roll is so good. So um, I'm trying to think of any more. Um, as ridiculous as it's going to sound, Taco Bell is the best fast food restaurant, I think, for vegetarians. When they have a lot of already vegetarian things, plus they're really easy to edit. You know, getting black beans instead of meat is so easy and really affordable. We're college kids. Like, we can't be eating at super nice, fancy restaurants all the time. No, exactly not. Um, so, yeah, there, there's just, it's nice that there's so many resources and so many advancements. And it's great to see that a lot of other fast food places are starting to have vegetarian options. Because for a long time, the reason a lot of people, I think, weren't is because it's expensive. Um, but nowadays, I think it's so much easier to still be, for it to be cheaper and still vegetarian. Exactly. We'd like to pivot a little bit now um, and end this discussion about being vegetarian. Uh, and we'd like to turn our attention to uh, our current times. Um, yes. It's almost spring break here at Arizona State. Um, and like many college students, we're all set to travel, just taking a break from Arizona. Mm -hmm. um, so when traveling, we want to make sure you travel sustainably. Um, okay, so as we move closer to summer, the travel season is picking up. The spring break is kind of the beginning of the start of travel season, and it just keeps going up. Yeah. So airlines are wanting people to fly. Airfares are down about 18% compared to where they were in 2019, because obviously with COVID, people are traveling a lot less. So demand. So the incentive to get people to travel is like, well, if tickets are cheap, then they're more likely to travel, as opposed to car rental prices, which is are up 20% which is probably trying to compensate for the fact that people, less people are renting cars, so they're having to charge more yeah. to make it, the same margins. And at one point, I remember this from, like, when things were opening up in, like, the summer of 21. Mm -hmm. um, there were so few cars available because people were... I, I believe the way the rental car companies work is they sell off the last year's batch and buy in mm -hmm. a set of new fleet. I wouldn't even know. <laughs> but they, they, they were kind of, like, slowing down car production, oh, so that wow. was pretty big. Um, but people are looking for a break 
any way they can after like almost two years of nonstop work in yeah. some way. Um, so we think it'd be helpful to remind everyone how to how travel can harm the environment and the people around it. There are ways to prevent this through a method called sustainable tourism. Sustainable tourism is when all impacts of tourists, tourism are acknowledged. Um, so the positive ones are encouraged and negative ones are try, we try to discourage. Um, so negative examples can include overcrowding or over-urbanization, too much industry in areas, and excess of tourism can lead to an overuse of natural resources and disturbance of life and the natural habitat wherever you're going. Um, however, there are some areas that are built on tourism, and that is how they make their money. And visitors are helping the economy with job creation, and they boost you know, the economy through sales. They're buying food. They're buying you know, uh, souvenirs. That's yeah. the word I'm looking for. It's important to know that tourism does help. It's not a horrible thing. But yeah. more often than not, these famous spots are often faced with the negative aspects of tourism, with damaged areas. Venice, Italy as a good example. Sounds mm -hmm. like this magical place. But they routinely face increased numbers of cruise ships, and they have to stay somewhere. And they're always clogging the waterways. And historical sites are being damaged by tourists. Trees are being written on and vandalized. And you know those little love locks that yeah. you put on fences? Those are being left all over the city. Um, Italy has actually made these finable offenses, meaning like you can get you can get in trouble for this. Um, and Venice is also they've done they've set a limit on how many hotel rooms can be built in the city to kind of like cap out tourism. Mm -hmm. And that's so interesting. I didn't even know that about Venice. My first thought when it comes to us needing to have more sustainable tourism is tropical places. They have it pretty bad. So take the Bahamas, for example. Big major K Island in the Bahamas is home to Pig Beach, which I've seen the pictures on Instagram and the videos. So cute. It seems so cute. Um, the pigs roam around naturally there, which is pretty great. Um, but the pigs have been dying in increasing numbers due to tourists feeding them stuff that they cannot eat. Um, so sometimes they're ingesting sand or just food that is not suitable for pigs. Exactly. Um, and I mean, these humans don't know this. They're not intentionally doing this. Um, also boats cause a lot of pollution and so an excess amount of boats in the water not great harm the pigs like natural habitat um mm -hmm. and it's so nice because I, I was also looking at photos and i think this is so nice um yeah but the biggest tropical spot of them all and i've been here several times i don't know about you is um, i've never personally been but i've heard a lot it's hawaii yes. um they've really expanded their tourism they're home to such a indigenous population but mm -hmm. a lot of people have been traveling from the mainland going over there for tourism and it's beautiful sites um from 1985 to 2010 their hotel rooms have doubled to get this 132,000 people wow or rooms actually rooms that's even worse so i mean you have two you know i mean if it's just one couple that's two people in a room but, but if it's like a family with four like four or five two kids if it, there's two beds in the room you know they're yeah. And That's a lot crazy. Of, I would just, I would presume that a lot of people can also do family, like huge family reunions over there mm. in a nice tropical spot. Yeah. So you can see how that happens. Um, and with the building of hotels, it kind of is urbanization. You need more resources, more power, and new harmful facilities are put in place, polluting the natural environment. And we spoke a lot about boats today, mm -hmm. um, just like the other two examples. Uh, this cruise ship story continues. In 2019... 37 cruise ships traveled with 77,000 travelers. Um, and we haven't even gotten how buildings can affect indigenous people in Hawaii and their native culture, which yes, is a being lot of destroyed. Them, a lot of them are built on sacred land, or that's burial ground or religious reasons or whatever. 
Um, and so Hawaii is trying to make change and limit the number of tourists. Reservations are needed for popular attractions. Travelers will get warnings everywhere. Um, there's a lot of signage. Um, planes have now a five-minute informational video before landing in Hawaii. Um, Hawaii, Hawaii is such a unique, I think, um, example of this because they need the tourism for their economy. They rely on it. But also the native people and the people who live there are just being absolutely taken advantage of and their land is being destroyed. Natives are getting to where they can't afford to live in the places they always have. They're getting pushed closer inland to the middle of the island, you know, the not as nice parts by the coast. Exactly. And this is where sustainable tourism comes in and where ecotourism comes in. Yes. So the definition comes from the International Ecotourism Society, and I'm just going to read it word for word. The responsible travel to natural areas that conserves the environment, sustains the well-being of local people, and involves interp interpretation and education. Um, so the goal is to build environmental and cultural awareness, plus generate those financial benefits for local industries, you know, so that these economies that rely on tourism can still thrive without being destroyed. Um, a big part is the... Uh, the most important part, really, is to recognize the rights and spiritual beliefs of indigenous people and not take or affect their land. And I think education is big, and it's one of the three main principles that comes with sustainable tourism. Mm -hmm. Conservation, yes. uh, empowering of communities, and education. And the organization notes that to be a sustainable tourist, one must do all three. And um, ecotourism, a mm -hmm. minor form of sustainable tourism, allows us to explore all three. Um, and so the difference between the two terms, let's distinguish that. Ecotourism is focused on ecological conservation, you know, visiting natural places, um, being a kind of a part of nature almost. Enjoying non-man-made things. Yes. Meanwhile, sustainable tourism is, you know, trying to limit the impact of that more traditional tourism, staying in a hotel type of idea. Um, and both of these are great options. And big companies are trying to do their part as well. Um, Marriott, the hotel company, is, has all these goals that they want to do, like reduce water intensity or reduce their carbon or their waste mm -hmm. and waste reduction, all these goals by a certain year. Um, so I think that's a step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And at one point, Merit was giving reward points if you didn't wash your sheets every day as a way to conserve water. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, we're seeing individual examples like this. Uh, you know, a hotel in Connecticut is solar powered. Um, it's the first net zero hotel in the United States. And hotels are so difficult to make sustainable because lights, television, air conditioning, so much laundry. People are in and out. You can't obviously, you know, you have to do all the laundry, the sheets, the towels, everything. Exactly. Um, thanks for joining us today. Uh, today we discussed the impact of being vegetarian on the environment. And we discussed how to travel more sustainably and be respectful to the places you're going. Uh, we are off next week for spring break, um, but join us later on as we talk about all things planet Earth. I'm Anna Snow. And I'm Breton Blal. Have a great day.